Hi, I'm Joel McMahon, pastor at St. Philip United Methodist Church, and I'm here to bring you our latest message. Uh, as we begin, though, let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Dear Heavenly Fathers, we bow before you at this time. We thank you for the gift of life and for the faculties to enjoy it. We thank you for the gift of eternal life purchased for us on Calvary by your son Jesus and offered to all who will receive it. Thank you for reminding us uh, today that all who are yours are going to live forever. Thank you for the foretastes of heaven that you've given us in this life. Thank you for love from many quarters. Thank you for that special fellowship that exists between brothers and sisters in Christ, binding us together in love. Thank you for the sense of your presence with us, assuring us of your love for us and confirming in our hearts that we are going to live eternally with you. When we consider that the good things of this world are but a shadow of the wonderful things that lie ahead in heaven, we're just overwhelmed. We know that you don't want us to be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good, but we also know that you have put the hope of heaven in our breasts. We affirm this time uh, as Paul did so many centuries ago that to live is Christ but to die is gain. Be with the loved ones we name before you in our hearts at this time. Some need the new life that can only be found through your cross. Some are ill and some are traveling. Some face crucial dilemmas or decisions Help them to just sense your presence and power to heal, to deliver, to enable and empower, and then minister to them according to their need. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, this is the third message where we're considering the wonderful promise we find in Romans 8:28. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Now, we've looked in the last few weeks at uh, what it means to love God and also how God causes all things to work together for the good. And I want to wrap up this trilogy of sermons by looking at what it means to be called according to his purpose. So we'll look at two things today. First, God's purpose, and then his call. The first thing we need to note is that this speaks of God's purpose, not purposes, uh, but one singular purpose. It's also not our purpose that is mentioned here, although ultimately your purpose and my purpose uh, are both tied into this ultimate purpose and intention of God. So how do we even begin to fathom the purpose of God? When you think of a personal being who has existed forever, who has no beginning and no end, how does purpose even enter into our thought process? Well, luckily, God has graciously spared us a whole lot of mental gyration by revealing answers about himself to us 
even before we can frame the questions. Ultimately, it's clear from what God has revealed of himself that his purpose comes forth from his very identity, from his essential nature, which is love. And love desires an object. And the Bible makes it clear that God has determined that you and I are going to be the object of his love. That's why he created us. He knew you even before you were formed in the womb. You were his idea, and he has created you to be a part of his ultimate intention, which is a large, loving family, a family that loves him, receives his love, and finds joy in the things that give him joy. At one point, Jesus uh, shares with us a picture that was first painted by the prophets, describing uh, the culmination of his purpose for us. The story of the prodigal son concludes with the father having prepared a feast for the younger son who has returned to his household. Now, obviously, the younger son has accepted the invitation of his father to attend the banquet being given in his honor, but the older brother refuses to come in. It turns out that the elder brother didn't really care about his younger brother or his father, for that matter. All he cared about was his father's stuff. And so, at the very end of the story, even after the father has explained to the elder son that the stuff he wants is already his and pleads with him to come in, the elder son stays away pouting. Now notice that it's not the father that keeps him from the family table. He has invited him to the family table. He has pleaded with him to come in. It's his own attitude that's keeping him away. He has been invited to the family table, but he denies himself blessing because he won't listen to his father and he won't love his brother. He refuses to get with the father's program and may very well find himself disinherited and going off on his own if he doesn't come around. Well, toward the end of the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, we see the marriage feast of the Lamb, where all those who have answered God's call and become a part of the bride of Christ are gathered at a joyous feast at the culmination that God has been working toward since the beginning of time. And as we uh, look around today, we see that everything is moving inexorably toward this conclusion that God has purposed. The wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, outbreaks of disease, disregard for law and human life were all foretold as things that would happen as the final day when the Lord returns approaches. And brothers and sisters in Christ, that day is nearer now than it ever has been before. And God's call has been issued to every person he has ever created. He does not want a one 
to miss their seat at the table in heaven. God's purpose is for you to be at that table. He created you to be there at that table. He wants you at that table. Peter says it like this in 2 Peter 3, 9 and 10. But the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. The Lord is doing all that he can to get as many as possible into heaven, and he holds off returning, even though he hates to see us still going through the stuff that we're going through. He holds off so that one more person will be saved and will find their place at that, at that table. The problem is that like the elder son mentioned earlier, there are a lot of people who just refuse to cooperate with God. And they refuse to get on board with his purpose. They're called. God loves them. But they refuse to enter at God's invitation. They run from his call. It's got to be their way. And their self-centeredness bars them from the table, bars them from fellowship with brothers and sisters that God has created for them. Dr. Harry, Ans uh, Dr. Harry Ironside used to tell about a man who gave his testimony, telling how God had sought him and found him, how God had loved him and called him and saved him and delivered him and cleansed him and healed him, a tremendous testimony to the glory of God. Now, after the meeting, one rather legalistic brother took him aside and said, you know, I appreciate all that you said about what God did for you, but you didn't mention anything about your part in it. Salvation is really part us and part God. And you should have mentioned something about your part. And the man said, oh, I apologize. I'm sorry. I really should have mentioned that. My part was running away. And his part, his part was running after me until he found me. You see, our part is answering the call. He has put it out and all have heard it, and some of you have answered it, and you know the joy that comes with answering that call. But you know there's some that are listening to this message right now that have been holding back. They've been running. They've been trying to please themselves instead of realizing that they can't realize their full joy in life until they quit trying to please themselves and start trying to please God. Our part, answering the call. And the neat thing about it is when you stop running and come on into the kingdom of God through the cross of Jesus, 
you find your purpose. Your purpose is tied to his purpose. Well, let me share my story or some of it with you. I was uh, a worldly successful businessman at one time who was trying to do things my own way, working hard at it, and the Lord was gracious and he blessed me even when I was ignoring him. And I wound up looking at my life and feeling like Solomon describes life as just dust in the wind or just futility. My greatest purposes and goals I saw were going to ultimately amount to nothing more than just dust in the wind. Nothing really at the end of my life. And I finally came to the point where in seeking for meaning in life, I prayed that God would let me know that he was real. I wanted to know. If he was real, I wanted to serve him. But if he wasn't, then this must be a dog-eat-dog world, and the best I could do would just be top dog. But he did let me know that he was real. And then it got scary, because then it became clear to me that I was on my way to hell because of my sin. And you know what? There's nothing I could do about it. I couldn't undo one horrible thing that I'd ever done in my life. I couldn't erase any sinful stain from my life, and my sin separated me from God. And you know, that's the way it is for all of us, apart from Christ. As a condemned man, I cried out to Jesus. And you know what? He just showed up. And he let me know that he'd been trying to get my attention for a long, long time. And that he was glad that I'd finally turned to him. At that moment, I was in the presence of pure, accepting love. The best I've ever come to describe how I felt in the presence of the Lord. I couldn't see him. I could just sense his presence was the way I'd feel when I'd go to my grandparents' house, where I knew I was loved for just being me, not for any potential or anything that was expected of me or rising to any uh, level of, uh, of uh, performance. I was loved just for being Joel. And you know, that's how God loves you. He didn't make a mistake when he formed you. He didn't make a mistake whenever he thought, we need one of you. He knew exactly what he was doing. And he loves the you that you are, the real you. Now, maybe you've been trying to uh, be someone else than the real you, the person that deep down inside you have always been longing to be. Well, you can be that person, brother or sister. You can be that person. At that moment, I was in his, in his presence, and he let me know that my sins were forgiven. He let me know that he had things for me to do. And, uh, and he let me know that he was glad that I had turned to him. He let me know that he paid the price for every mess up in my life, 
He paid the price for everything. He knew I was going to do it beforehand. And that's why I went to the cross. That's why I went to the cross for me. And you know what? That's why I went to the cross for you. He knew you were going to need him. He knew you were going to need someone to pay for your sin. And he took it upon himself to do just that. He paid for your sin. After I received that, and it was hard for me to accept that, but how could I not refuse this gift of love that he was offering? And so then I asked him what he wanted me to do with my life. I was just so glad to find out that it was real. And he told me, you know, you ought to be a preacher. Now at that moment, every bad conception of what a preacher was and every bad example of any preacher I'd ever known rushed before me. And I just really couldn't see myself doing the preacherly stuff I imagine they did, like sitting around having tea with a group of little ladies. And ultimately my response to him was, Lord, I don't want to be like those guys. And you know what? He knew exactly who I was thinking about. He knew the preachers I was picturing in my mind. And almost laughingly, he said, well, don't. I don't want you to be like those guys either. You just try to be the best you for me that you can be. That's all I want from you. That's all I've ever expected of anybody. That's all I ever ask of Peter or Paul or James or John. Just be you, the real you for me. Not some copy of someone else. And you know, I could really live with that. Just be the real me for him. Not some copy not pretending, the real me. And so I was able at that point to very joyfully commit my very being to him that night. I gave him all of me. That's how I answered the call. And you know what? That's how everyone who answers the call answers it. Not everyone's called to be a preacher. Some people are called to be housewives. Some people are called to be clerks in stores. Some people are called to be business moguls. And some people are called to be all sorts of other things. But he wants you to be the best you that you can be. And that's his call to you. What he calls you, he may call you from your profession. He may just begin helping you with the profession that you're in. But that's how you answer the call. And when you do it, wonderful things can happen. Receive what he did on the cross to bring reconciliation between your and your creator. And then resolve you're going to do what you know he wants you to do. 
you get the freedom to start choosing to do the right thing instead of what you think that would be best for you. You get to choose to do the best thing. You get to choose to be the best you. Maybe you've been compromising your values to where you've almost forgotten who you are. But you're still there. And he could just pull back the curtain and let that real you that he loves so much to come forth once more. Sometimes his call to us is like Jesus' call to Lazarus, where he says, Lazarus, come forth. And we just come forth from death to life. As you begin to take the steps, you'll begin to notice some things. First of all, death is no longer going to be something that you fear because you know that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You'll know that this life is just the beginning of real life. And that even if you're up and toward the end of your life, just remember the old song, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. If you're young and you fear being cut off in the prime of life, you have years and years and years still ahead of you. You don't have to worry about death. Death has lost its sting. So this next thing, you'll see things through spiritual eyes. You'll start to see people and circumstances differently. And then after that, uh, you'll also walk in confidence knowing that your Creator is with you. And you will understand what Paul meant just a few verses down from Romans 8.28 when he says, If God is for us, who can stand against us? You'll know that God has your back. Well, let me tell you something kind of funny that happened. Uh, the Lord let me be me for him as a pastor. And I didn't know that pastors could have such interesting lives. I mean, who would have ever pictured me driving down the freeway with a serial killer in the car telling him uh, how Jesus loves him and wants to be his Savior and offering him eternal life? Or standing or sitting, having tea with a very influential and important lady who had everything in life, but her life had no meaning. And being able to share the joy that came from knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior and how she could do that and her receiving him into her life and having fullness in a life that even though she had everything up to that point, it was empty. Who'd know I would ever be able to just stand by the deathbed of a woman who just had a few breaths left to take 
and lead her in the sinner's prayer so that she will be one of my sisters that I'll get to see in heaven. And you know what? The preacher's life could get so busy and hectic and so uh, crazy that having tea with a bunch of little ladies is a welcome thing to do. And so you see, he has the best life in store for you is what I'm saying. I feared stepping into it. I feared I was going to miss something, but I found so much more. And this is where we come to ultimately. You'll find that you can't help but love him because he has brought you life. And then you will be able to say along with the Apostle Paul and all the other members of your Christian family throughout all the ages and around the world. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. You'll know it because you'll be living it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Oh Lord, as we bow before you at this time, we thank you that you have the best in store for us and that you will, as we give our lives to you and as we walk in love with you, you will cause all things to work together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. And Lord, if there's anyone listening today who hasn't received what you did, them, did for them on the cross, dear Lord, I pray that you'll bring them to the place to where they'll just want to say, Lord, I've tried it my way and it hasn't worked. I want the life that I know you want for me. Come into my heart, Lord. I give my very self to you. Save me, Lord. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you for washing me with your precious blood. I receive your forgiveness, and I look forward to living from this day forward for you. In Jesus' name, amen. And Lord, those who prayed that prayer, I pray, Lord, that you will just visit them with your Holy Spirit in a special way and just seal their hearts with your love now. In Jesus' name, amen.